podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. If you're snacking on anything but tasty cake, you're making a huge miss cake. A fistful of chocolate-covered raisins? Miss cake. A spoonful of peanut butter? Bigger miss cake. Or the worst miss cake of all, your kid's Halloween candy. And it's May. If it's not tasty cake, it's a miss cake. Because nothing satisfies like a perfectly sweet butterscotch crimpet. Or rich and creamy chocolate peanut butter candy cake. Tasty cake. Accept no substitutes. Turn off your laptop. We're on staycation. I'm on TotalWine.com. They have so many rosés, chardonnays, and proseccos. It feels like a real vacation. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Fatback 4 Daily for Monday night. Um, I am your host, Gav, as always, and this show is brought to you by Paddy Power. If you gamble, please gamble responsibly and try to do so with Paddy Power, a bookies, a website and an app. All your odds on Liverpool, football and all sports in general. Tonight, um, we're going to have a little bit more of a rational look at Liverpool versus Man City after what was a... Quite emotional show last night, uh, particularly Grizz, who seemed to just be absolutely drained by it all. But after watching the game back a second time, a couple of things popped up um, as I watched them, so I wanted to bring them up. Tonight, my guest is Jim Fishlock. Uh, Jim was in, in with me last week, or maybe the week before, and was a brilliant guest, so I'm delighted to have him back. Jim, how are you? Yeah, really good, thanks, mate. Nice to uh, nice to be back on. Um, obviously, buzzing after yesterday, so um, yeah, looking forward to, to getting involved in it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the comments are flying in already. People are still in great form. Connor just says, "Get in, Reds." He's still um, he's still on that buzz from um, probably about seven o'clock last night. Barry Carr said he's still emotional. Centurion says, um, "Hello." It echoes at the top. Nice, I like that. Uh, Stephen Max says, "I told you we will batter them clowns." It should have been four one. If it had been four um, one, Stephen, me and you would have been in for a lot of money from Paddy Power uh, for charity. But just to let you know, I did have a tenner on. Uh, Liverpool to win on both teams to score. That came in at 3.33 to 1. So another 33 quid towards charity. So there we go. It was, um, it was win-win all round. Jim, um, it was some game of football yesterday. I'm gonna start, I'm gonna start with that. Uh, but I just want your thoughts on, I suppose, before, during and after. What sort of day was it for you watching in the lead up to Liverpool City, the game itself? And then afterwards, was it, was it a sense of relief or ecstasy or what was it? I thought of, I think, um, before the game, I thought, I thought we'd, um, we'd win. I thought it would be a really good game, much better than last year's, um, home game against City, just because, the way the league table was, the way the teams were on form, the way the week had gone, Guardiola was particularly spiky, um, and I just thought they're going to come out and they're going to want to, you know, they're going to want to play us off the park if they can do. Um, I thought the team we picked was our best team, um, the midfield, um, the best available players played yesterday. I know people say, well, Gomez is better than Lovren, and, and he probably is, but on form at the moment, he's not. So that was that was positive to see that team go out there. Um but I was not surprised with the way Man City started. I thought you know they they dominated the first sort of 20 minutes even when 
they they went one nil down and then two nil down quite quickly. They were still for me the better side in possession. Um, I I just thought they were definitely going to score, um, but obviously by the time we go three nil up, I don't think it really matters. Um, the first goal massively important. Just just to backtrack a little bit, I think if they score first, it's, it's a different game. Um, but overall. I thought tactically we were really clever. Um, I thought in the in the final third we were fantastic, um, and in the midfield third we we were fantastic. So if you can dominate at least two of the two of the uh, the three areas of the pitch, then even against a team like Man City, you, you're going to come out on top. So yeah, I was um, I was buzzing. Yeah, I was absolutely flying after. Um, I just thought I called her a masterclass, and and a couple of people. You know, pulled me up on that and says, well, if you look at what City done and you look at this and I went, and my thing was, uh, and I said it on the show last night, I got a little bit annoyed by, by the commentary on Sky. It usually happens most weeks. I get annoyed by it. But when Liverpool go 2-0 up, they're talking about how Liverpool haven't started well. And I'm kind of, I, in my mind, I always thought, well, flip it around. And if City, if the game started and Liverpool put the ball in the corner, won a couple of throw-ins, the odd free kick and, had a little bit of possession and City went and put two past Liverpool, um, we'd be all, you know, the media would be sitting there going, well, that's what City do, they're brilliant, they're this, that, and the other, you can't switch off for a second. You're a coach, Jim, and, and you probably watch this, you know, a little bit differently because you have a coaching background, but one thing I noticed watching it back was the lineup for me from City was, was strange. I thought Rodri only being in training a couple of, couple of days by the looks of it, coming in and anchoring that midfield for them. But De Bruyne seemed to be playing up front with Aguero or just off Aguero and they were trying to press us. It just seemed to take, from watching the game, it just seemed to, seemed to take De Bruyne out of the game for a lot of it. Whereas he wasn't getting involved as much as he would as if he was, you know, one of those midfielders in a tree. Was that a mistake by City? Yeah, I, to be perfectly honest, I was very surprised with, with how they lined up. Um, and I, I thought pre-game, um, was Guardiola going to, you might not remember this, Gav, but a few years ago in the Champions League, he was, when he was in charge of Bayern Munich, they went away to Barcelona mm-hmm. and he, he went man for man at the back on Barcelona's, um, front three. Mm-hmm. I think it was Suarez, Messi, um, it might have been Neymar as well. He might have still been there at the time. And it, it, it didn't work out because that front three just, just tore him apart. But knowing what Guardiola is like or, or how he comes across, he, you know, he is quite, um, arrogant and there's nothing wrong with that because the guy's got a record to back it up. And I just thought, was he going to try and do something similar yesterday? Mm-hmm. It's a much smaller pitch at Anfield. If he'd done that, yeah, he would have, he would have been able to nullify the back, uh, the front three of us, um, completely and also then put pressure on, on our two fullbacks to be more defensive than they were. But when I saw that he'd set up in, in effectively a 4-4-2, um, and a, and a high press at that, um, I just thought he was playing into our hands because Fabinho was always available. Mm. Um, Wijnaldum, who I thought was probably the man of the match yesterday, I thought he was absolutely fantastic, um, was always available. Um, and Henderson was equally, you know, as as good as as he has, well, better than he has been probably for the last month or so in terms of his performance. Um, because what, one thing that those two have got, which the, the two City players didn't have yesterday, was any legs. Gundogan can't seem to run. Mm-hmm. Um, Rodri is 
a deep lawyer, number six specialist. You know, he's a footballer. Mm-hmm. Gets the ball from the back. He plays out. That's how he plays. Um, to stick him in a two-man midfield with somebody next to him who can't run, you're just asking for trouble. And that's what they did. They caused their own problems. They completely nullified um, the influence De Bruyne could have. Um, because they needed to dominate the ball in midfield to get it forward to him, but they weren't dominating midfield. We were. We had the extra player in there, and it was we caused our own problems a lot of the time when we in the first twenty minutes where we weren't very crisp and, and, and positive with our passing. Once we settled down and started doing that, you know, we dominated. I think we dominated from about the twenty fifth minute um, until about the sixtieth, sixty sixty fifth minute. I think overall we looked the better side. Mm. Um, and and. You know, I, I I didn't notice it pre-game, um, but when Klopp mentioned it at the end of the match, how we changed tactics at half-time and went 4-4-1-1, um, we were only able to do that in the second half because City was still playing 4-4-2. If they played 4-3-3 it would, uh, and they were dominating possession, it would have caused us a bigger tactical problem. But um, no, I think he missed a trick there with that team lineup. Um, and I also do think, looking at their side... It looked very much like a team who were out of sync. They were desperate to get something. And sometimes a team set up 4-4-2, you know, press the ball, kick and rush a little bit and try and pressurise the other team. And and that's all they were looking to do yesterday. They weren't the usual Manchester City. Yeah, because Centurion says here, um, Gab, do you think Pep was arrogant in trying to answer back the comments that Klopp made him change his tactics last year? We remember last season they come to Anfield which, in which was quite a, it was a very, very tactical game. One where you, it looked like two sides that just didn't want to give up anything and give any advantage to, to the opposition. And I, I don't think he's arrogant, but watching the game back there last night, like you said, Jim, it looked like he tried to go nearly 4-2-4. And by doing that, he was trying to say, Sterling and Bernardo are going to push up against Liverpool's fullbacks. I'm going to press their, their centre-backs, particularly Lovren, um, with De Bruyne and Aguero. And I'm going to nearly, I don't know, try and intimidate Liverpool into keeping their full-backs back and trying to block lanes into midfield. But it just didn't work. And like you said, watching the game, Fabinho's always available. Um, Wijnaldum's always available. Henderson drifts out right. But if you watch a lot of the time, he's he's very far up the pitch because, like, take Trent Alexander-Arnold as as your example, as a full-back. Trent Alexander-Arnold is basically going... Well, if Sterling, if Sterling wants to stand there and, and try and intimidate me, that's fine. I'm going to move 20 yards up the pitch and the centre-half can either chip it, the ball over to me, or the midfielder can get it and pass it on to me and we can go from there. And the amount of times Trent got it and was able to move into space and then even Henderson find them spaces behind Sterling and Bernardo and, you know, before they get near Angelino and Walker was incredible. I just, I just couldn't get over it. And, the second goal is a, is a great instance. You see Bernardo, he's 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 trying to. He, he always wants to come inside anyway, but he thinks he's going to pressure Liverpool, and they just switch it over his head, and the pitch is so so open. So I don't I don't know if Pep thought, oh well, they 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 criticised me for last year. Watch what I'm going to do. I I don't know if he's being arrogant in that way, but like you said, Jim, they completely missed the trick, and and they were open down them sides every single time Liverpool wanted it, weren't he? And that's the thing, and you look at that second goal, like you just say, Bernardo Silva, who always wants to go inside anyway, he has to, as soon as Alexander-Arnold turns in onto his left foot, he has to cut across, he has to squeeze across Bernardo, because we've got an overloading midfield, 
Because even if Henderson makes a, a long run down the line to be an option, Salah tucks in, Firmino tucks in, Mane's narrow. So there's the, the three forwards narrow against their back four, looking to get it, find space. And there's a natural overload in midfield. So if they, if Manchester City's two wide players, opposite wide players, should I say, don't tuck in, there's a, there's an easy out for Liverpool through the centre because we've got the three players in there. Um, so he pushes in. Trent's got the ability to knock it, you know, 60 yards with his wrong foot with a lovely bit of curl on it, whether or not he meant that or not, I don't know. Um, right into Robertson's, um, Robertson's foot, uh, run and he can, and obviously the rest is history, but that all comes from, our fullbacks all the time being nice and high and nice and wide, and, and their first first thought is let's get forward, let's get high up the pitch to stretch the play, let's give the opposition something to think about. You know, we, our front three said last week they cheat a little bit; they don't often track back. Mm. You'll very rarely see, very mm. rarely see um, Robertson and Mane, for example, doubling up. Of course, sometimes you will, but very rarely, as a rule, we don't play. The, you know, the five-man midfield when we lose possession, the front three, and the, you've watched the game twice now, Gav. You'll have seen it so many times with City playing out from goal kicks. That front three are right up high, mm. right up high. Um, on the back four, screening the ball into midfield, not allowing them to play out. And that's what we were able to do by playing that way. City weren't. De Bruyne didn't really know whether to stick or twist when he was pressing. Um, Alisson, much better on the ball than, than Bravo. I think there was one one yesterday which we ne- nearly scored from. Ball was knocked around the back four, back to Alisson. He had a lovely cri- uh, clip pass out to Alexander-Arnold. And we were in again. And that's what we were able to do. We were tactically set up much, much better than Man City. Um, and everything they seemed to want to do, we turned that into a positive for us. They couldn't really hurt us tactically. Yeah, and, and like even uh, there was controversy over the fourth goal, you know, because of the the incident in the box with Trent Alexander Arnold. And I watched match of the day last night, and I was literally scratching my head with both hands because I was like, "Hold on, if that's a goal, you know, it's not a goal because he handles it in the box, but him handling a ball straight onto where defender." Is a completely different situation, apparently, and is it a penalty? Is it not? Like, I'm not going to get into VAR with you, Jim, because I'm, I've I've called it a shambles and a farce, and I don't see it getting any better. And to be honest with you, you know, they're breaking down situations now where there's two decisions to be made in the one instance, which is just blows my mind. But the um, thing is, Gav, right? The the only thing it could be if they're mm-hmm. going to use VAR in that situation, the only thing it can be. Mm-hmm. Uh, is a free kick to Liverpool. Yeah. and That's but, the only thing it can be. It can't be a penalty because it's hit his hand. Mm-hmm. So if you're applying the same rules, like, yeah. it's hit his hand, they've gained an advantage from that because the ball has travelled across mm-hmm. towards their, their forward player, Sterling. Mm-hmm. Now it's hit, then it's hit Trent Alexander's hand, mm-hmm. which has stopped the ball getting to Sterling. So as a defensive team, we've then gained an advantage, mm-hmm. which means, yes, by the letter of the law, it's a penalty. But take it back. Literally, 0.2 of a second earlier, he's hit his, he's hit uh, Bernardo Silva's hand. So the only thing it could be is a free kick to Liverpool. Yeah. Because, if they go all the way back. Yeah, because Centurion says here, there's such a lack of common sense and punditry. The Silva handball nullifies City's attack. And yeah. and that's what I was saying, because when I watched Match of the Day last night, you know, I think it was, was it, uh, it, who was on last night? Alan Shearer was asked. And they were like, what did you think was a handball? And he said, yeah. And he goes, was it a penalty? And he goes, well, it hits Bernardo Silva in the hand. And Lineker comes in and says, 
well, hold on, we, we've got a statement from the referees union, I can't think of the, the official name, and they say, you know, well, yeah, if, if this had happened, it would have been disallowed, but the next inst- the, the next part of that is a different instance, it's a different decision to make, and I'm kind of going, how can you say a handball leading to a handball are completely and utterly, you know, independent yeah, of each other? It's, 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 it's making it up as it goes along, Jim, and it is. you know something, if... And people said to me, if it was the other way around, you would have screamed for it. And I would have went, no, because if they'd have given a penalty there to Liverpool, if it was reversed, I would have said, well, it can't be. Because the rule is, if a forward player hits the ball accidentally or not, and it leads to an advantage or a goal for his team, and, and he gets an advantage from it is the wording, I think it is. Yeah, it, it, it's a free kick to the opposition's team. So I don't know where this come from. But you see, I said last night, and I don't know if you agree with me, Jim. You, City went in with that plan, all right? I'm watching the back, and when I done the show last night, I thought, I did say, City's biggest gripe with all that is that they conceded a goal. It wasn't this handball thing. That, that was a reason for them to get over. The biggest thing was they got punished. And uh, Pep is going crazy on the sideline. And when he's going crazy, when I'm watching the back the second time last night, I came into my head and I went, you know what? He did. And, and Centurion says there, was he, was he, you know, being arrogant? He definitely went in with a plan to try shut us up. I think Noel Tracy says there on the chat as well. They, they tried to shut us up and shut the crowd up and get on top and try to get a forced goal. And his plan backfired after six minutes because as soon as Liverpool broke out, you know, with any sort of decent attack, they were exposed massively. And I think that's what hope the most. I, I think so. I think, yeah, you know, when I, when I first saw that yesterday live, I thought that's a penalty. I didn't. I didn't see initially the silver and ball. Mm-hmm. Referee says no penalty, so fine, fair enough. We go down the other end and we score straight after. And as 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 the attacks unfolding, I'm thinking to myself, I'd love it if we scored now. It would just be amazing if we went down the other end and scored. Literally right now, after they probably should have had a penalty. Um, so we do. And they highlighted it earlier on on Sky. They were doing a bit of analysis on it. And uh, as the ball drops and is cleared to the edge of the box. Angelino is probably about five or six yards away from Fabino, and he's the nearest player. Mm. And the basics of football are the nearest pay- player presses the ball. Yeah. Now, the City's midfield are nowhere, nowhere to be seen. So he is the nearest footballer. So he should be doing everything he can to get out to where the danger is and where the football is, which is at Fabino's feet. What he decides to do is check his shoulder and run all the way back to the left-back position, just in case Fabino wants to play a pass. But he's at, like, the centre of the goal, 20 yards, 20, 25 yards out. Where's the danger? Is the danger with Trent Alexander-Arnold, who's, who's pushed right up to play right wing for Liverpool, there? Or is the danger Fabinho on the ball? The, the danger's the ball. So, Guardiola's going to be disappointed with that. He's probably going to be absolutely fuming. He's probably going to be disappointed with himself because his plan all along has been to play Angelino in this game. That's why Mendy played midweek, I think, and he can't play two games a week. So that was his plan. So he's made that plan. He's decided that's what he's going to do. And ultimately, that player is responsible for them conceding that goal. Not the fact that a penalty that shouldn't have been a penalty wasn't given, you know, 30 seconds later. Um, he's picked that team. The players have got themselves in the wrong position. They haven't cleared a ball. Massive, massively exposed, yeah. Jim. Like, massively like, exposed. Like, like Mane literally gets the ball just about on halfway and strolls towards City's box 
And like they should have numbers there. And he literally, he's looking and looking and looking and he's thinking, nobody's coming near me here. I'm just going to have a go with John Stones. And when the ball goes in the box, it's, I think it's two on two where Firmino, um, I think Fernandinho, Gundogan, maybe three on two for City because it's, it's, it's clear and Gundogan just wanders out after Fabinho has time to take a touch. But massively exposed six minutes into a game. And he knows he's up against possibly the best front three in the world. Like, surely that has to have an effect where he's where he's absolutely losing the plot. Well, you, yeah, you you would you would be going mad to be honest with you because uh, you know as with any as with any football team, no matter how good you are, you come into Anfield. The Klopp has has done what he what he, he's a master at. He's got everybody involved. He's, you know, he hasn't just mentioned the players. He hasn't just mentioned the people in the stadium. He's mentioned everybody. Mm. The whole, the whole city of Liverpool who supports Liverpool. He wants all of you involved for this game. He wants the whole thing pushing us forward. So the first thing you say as an opposition manager is they're going to come out of the traps. They're going to absolutely come at us. Like, you know, they're going to be baying for blood. They're going to, we've got to control the tempo, control the game, try and slow things down. Be compact and don't concede an early goal. And to be fair to City, three or four of those points they've done really well. What they haven't done is reacted to a decision and then they've, and then they've defended the next phase really, really poorly. And once that happens, their heads are gone. Their heads are gone for the next 15 minutes. You can see that. Yeah. You know, the second goal comes and you can see it on his face. That, his reaction to that second goal says a million things because mm. It, that's the first time I've seen him react like that to a goal being scored against his team. Yeah, like Centurion asked there, why in the name of all that's holy um, are people looking for to give excuses to City for losing this game? You know, uh, and that and you know, Force Twenty Two here says all the best players are wearing red. Trent, Genie, Salah, Mane, for example. Yeah, it was hard to pick one. I would throw Bernardo Silva or Sterling into that. I thought both of them. I, were thought, really good. I thought Sterling was excellent. Yeah, thought, you know, but you know what it was a but, good... but he was a reflection of, and this is where I wanted to get, you know get to, and I, I will come back to it in a little minute. He was a reflection of Pep Guardiola near the end because Pep was losing the plot and you could see players starting to lose it with him. And Sterling was the easy target because he's a former Liverpool player that gets off terrible abuse when he goes back to Anfield. Maybe rightfully so, but he, he was a reflection of his, of his manager towards the end of that game. Just, just on the excuses thing for Man City, um, it's, a, it's an interesting point because we were talking before we come on air here and you were saying you loved Roy Keane yesterday, you like Souness, um, you like Gary Neville, you like Jamie Carragher. But you, and we both agreed, you know, there was excuses starting to come out of company uh, as as that, that evening went on. And all this week on NBC Four, new products to new technology. Susan Hogan is showing you how local restaurants are changing the way we dine in and take out in this new world tonight at six. A new twist on outdoor eating. A lot of it is creating flexibility. How one local restaurant is making their outdoor space mobile, giving you plenty of sunshine and social distance for a stress-free meal. It's all part of restaurant revitalization. Tonight at 6 on NBC4, working for you. It was nearly bizarre watching it at times, wasn't it? It was It was really, really bizarre. It was. I don't. Is he still 
is he still on the payroll at all at Man City? Do we know? I know he's some sort of ambassador, but it, it, the, I wasn't part. I was need a manager. Is he? Is he still manager over in? I think Andalek? he is. Yeah, he's still player manager or something yeah. over there. But he was. He lost all <laughs> sort of uh, objectiveness yesterday. He lost all credibility in my eyes. To be perfectly honest, whenever I've heard him speak previously, I, I've been impressed with him. You know, he sounds. He's very knowledgeable about the game. Mm. Um, you know, he, he comes across really well, really level-headed. Um, but yesterday he was. It, it was a joke, to be honest with you. I mean, it was literally, um, he, he just could not objectively analyse that game or give any credit to Liverpool or even suggest that possibly there was a, a wrong selection made by Manchester City or debate any any decision which, you know, depending on which side you're on, you, you might say, well, yeah, we should have got that or they should have got that, you know, especially during the game. It's, it's difficult to be objective, but... Everybody else was, you know, nobody dislikes Liverpool more than Roy Keane. But I thought yesterday it, it was a, it was a masterclass. Everything he said was absolutely spot on. Yeah, I look. I, I watched probably five or six clips on YouTube. You know, you type in, if uh, you know Sky Sports Premier League, and you get all yeah. the clips from before and after the game, and and just stuff like company was saying. You know, like see, you've been unlucky with injuries, and they've lost this pair. And Keane was like saying, "Well, they lost a keeper first day of the season." Yeah. Nine games unbeaten. You know, and, 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 and they yeah. went and they had no problem. You know, um, they, they've had issues as well, you know. So it was just bizarre, you know. Um, Chris Brack says here that apparently um, Sterling and Gomez had a bit of a physical, had a bit of a rare England training. They had to be separated by teammates. Um, Mickey taking over the City game was the cause of this. Uh, I, I haven't seen that anywhere in the press, but Chris is fairly reliable on what he says. Uh, Chris has been on this show a couple of times and does look up this sort of stuff. So that's what, that's what, um, that's what he, that's he's reporting enough. on that. You know, um, they're, they're, they're grown men, isn't they? Do you know what I mean? You've yeah, got to be absolutely. And, and you, you could see, like, there was, the, when you actually look back at it and with that sort of information, when you look at Sterling kind of nudges him into the advertising boards and he comes yeah, back and has a go. And yeah. it's like he's, it's like the fuse was lit there and, you know, I liked it because Trent kind of went, oh, what, what are you talking about? Like, you know, get over it. And then, you know, Gomez literally tells him to piss off. And I did think Gomez's reaction was a bit over the top, but now that kind of makes a bit of sense. So, and the only thing is, I reckon Joe Gomez, it, Take Sterling every day of the week, twice yeah, on uh, twice on Sundays. Him, he? You know, so um, you know, uh, Carl Duff says Pat Nevin on News Talk, which is an Irish uh, TV, uh, sorry, Irish radio station, uh, saying regardless of whether it was a penalty or not, the game should have been stopped, and hence LFC don't score. That, well, listen, no, you have to play to a, to a whistle, and VAR can't have a, a, a magic whistle. Um, the no. referee makes a decision. If the referee makes a decision that's a penalty, and then has a look back. Then the game is stopped, but the referee makes a decision. It's not. The, the game goes on. And look, if that goal goes in from Fabinho, they could disallow it and go, no, it's a penalty at the far end. It didn't hit Bernardo Silva in the hand. It hits, it hits Trent and the referee made a wrong decision. So, the, listen, Pat Nevin doesn't like Liverpool. You have to, you always have to take what he says with a pinch of salt. A little bit like Kenny Cunningham didn't like Fabinho during the week and is on off the ball this evening. Um, in what was a brilliantly rehearsed interview that they made out was off the top of their head and he, he's, he's giving you seven instances as to when Fabinho was exposed yesterday. Nothing, he, <laughs> uh, seriously. And he, he basically went, he scored a good goal and he, he done a nice turn in midfield there once and he was pretty on the ball. But if you, if you actually look at this, this and this, but you know, you're going to get this from the media and I've said it all, I've always said it before. Players, ex-players and pundits who were ex-players, um, of a certain vintage, 
will not want Liverpool to win a league title, and it's simply no, because it, 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 will bring, it will bring them back to their childhood when Liverpool dominated and no one liked them. So that's the way it is. Um, but look, the company thing for me, the overall thought was he came back to be a pundit on a City game too early. That's the way I thought. He was he was still Man City ambassador and captain when he came back rather than ex-Man City and now is an Andelect player manager, however he, he manages. So it was it was one of those with Vincent Company. I thought it was a bit strange in the Sky Studio. And I started to feel a bit sorry for him because <laughs> Jose Mourinho and, and Roy Keane and things start literally picking his arguments apart and, and it got a, it looked a little bit um but not only that though, Gav, they were, Jose Mourinho and Roy Keane were eulogising over Liverpool. Mm. And they were, you know, they were being, they were being factual about everything. You know, they were, they, those two were probably more, um, pro Liverpool than I thought Sunes was during the game. And they were really banging the drum, mm. um, considering that, you know, their, their, their history, um, you know, Chel- you know, the, the issues Mourinho's had at Ultra, at Anfield previous, mm-hmm. um, et cetera, you know, and he made reference to that a few times. Um, and obviously Roy Keane, you know, he said before when he's been doing his punditry, he'd rather shut the curtains in his porch than in his patio, sorry, than watch, uh, Liverpool play football. But, you know, what they were saying was, was absolutely right. They absolutely, from, you know, for large portions of that game, battered a Manchester City side that, yeah, they were missing one or two players, but, it just, what it shows to me is you can have all the money in the world, but you, it doesn't matter if you don't buy the right players. Mm. And ultimately, Manchester City have had a scattergun approach to buying centre-halves, um, and they've ended up buying one good one, and that's Laporte. They left um, company retire at the end of last season, and rightly or wrongly, the things he could bring to that club, um, probably off the pitch, towards the end, outweighed what he was bringing on the pitch. But it's no surprise that when he could get 10 games in a row out of him, it was the end of last season, those 10 games that they needed to win in the league, you know? Yeah. And those sorts of players are like gold dust. And to not not find somebody out there that could that could come in and give what he could give on the pitch and then look for another leader off it, um, I think was, was a terribly... Um, short-sighted decision by Pep Guardiola because John Stones is not good enough. Nicholas Otamendi is not good enough. Um, you can't rely on playing a 34-year-old central midfielder as your centre-half long-term. You just can't do it. Mm. Um, and, he, you know, I know he loves his midfielders, Pep, but he's been found out a couple of times in his career trying to do that. You just can't do it. And they're, they're struggling now. Um, and, and that's as a result of it um, mm. because they're, they're, they're trying to trying to cover for things which they should have covered a long time ago. Yeah. Stephen Max says, Gav, who are going to be champions this season? Stephen, you know my thoughts on that. It will be Liverpool Football Club and Athletic Grounds. Um, Pat Nevin, it's not like an ex-Evertonian to be bitter about Liverpool. Listen, I don't listen to a word Pat Nevin says, I'm going to be honest. Uh, Jono says, I laugh at how Pep said the media wants to, us to win. Rubbish. All they've said is, is how we will blow it. Yeah, listen. The, they don't want us to win it, lads. Don't, don't, um, don't, don't kid yourselves. Really, I swear. Don't kid yourselves. And you will see when we, if and when we win the league, you will see, um, a lot of people give excuses for other sides around the league, like they're in transition, they've transfer bans and stuff. But that's, and that's meant to be all our fault. Um, Mourinho reminding company that Liverpool are current European champions was brilliant, says Jono. Uh, Chris Brack says, uh, let me see. Uh, there's reports now that Arsenal have approached Mikel Arteta for their manager's job. Uh, I'll probably get into that tomorrow night because there's a couple of things going around about Everton as well. Uh, let me, you know, just on the, before we finish, Pep Guardiola himself, um, 
I I said on a show here on I think it was Friday night. It would have been because he just done a press conference, um, Jim. And the big thing for me was he looked awful tetchy in that press conference. He the body language to me was like he was not frustrated but very anxious about this game and you know the big thing for me was when he came out last week he's he's spoken about Liverpool in the past and he's he's brought them up for no reason but spoken quite well about them so I just kind of let that slide even though I thought it was a bit of an obsession there but he brought them up last week and started saying players dived and stuff like that. And that was a shot across the bell. And it's probably the first time he's done it. So that was an attitude change for me. But for me, looking at him at that sideline gym on uh, yesterday during that game, like people have said in the chat here, he, for me, he lost control. He lost control. And if you look around him, you're, you're looking at backroom staff, don't know what to do. Players are losing it out on the pitch. They go a bit... It gets frantic in the game and they look a bit ragged at times. You don't know where some of the players are playing. And he's constantly in in people's ears. And and his team reflected that towards the end. Am I making too much of this? Is it just a one-off game? Or is this something that... Because it reminds me of a little bit when Mourinho got, got under his skin at, at Real Madrid that time. Am I making too much of this? Or, or have you looked at that and thought, this is a man now that looks like... Not a breaking point, but something has gone wrong with him. Well, undoubtedly, they're under pressure. Um, Manchester City, you know, we've gone and won the Champions League last season, which is something he hasn't done with Manchester City. Um, yeah, they've won the league the last two years and, and, you know, congratulations to them. They've been the best team in the league, so they should win it. Um, but he's under pressure in that respect. Um, there's obviously going to be a lot of, um, and was rightly so, a lot of praise coming Liverpool's way. Um, for winning that Champions League and Liverpool have started this season incredibly, incredibly well um, his team hasn't for numerous reasons so all of a sudden there's a little bit of a, of a role reversal now where Liverpool top the league Liverpool top the league they keep winning they keep winning um, and we have benefited from some last minute goals a um, couple of maybe you could say one or two decisions being favourable etc etc Manchester City, on the other hand, have, have had the opposite things happen. Um, and that's football. It all balances itself out. But when you're particularly uh, uh, frustrated about things, like Guardiola clearly is and has been from the start of the season, it just builds and builds and builds. And I think I think what yesterday and leading up to the game was yesterday was a bit of him building this narrative of, which is what Ferguson used to do and what Mourinho, when he was very good, was a master of doing, was... It's us against everybody else. And yeah, you know what? They can, and what he'll be saying is they can cheat. They can get the referee decisions. They can have players dive in to do this, have players dive into that. But we're going to stick to our principles. We're going to carry on doing what we do. And I guarantee or I bet that we will still come out on top. Mm. And it's no surprise he was saying, you know, my team played like champions yesterday. They did everything I wanted them to do, et cetera, et cetera. And the narrative is we should have had a penalty. In fact, we should have had two penalties. They shouldn't have scored their first goal. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So he's creating that siege mentality. Yeah. Um, a little a bit coach, like Mourinho when he was at United. Absolutely. Yeah. A little bit like Mourinho. He did it at Chelsea. He did it at Chelsea even when everybody didn't hate them. Mm. Um, because, you know, he done it a lot at United though. Did it, he did do it a lot at United, yeah, he did. Um, but he, he did it at Real Madrid, and that's what got into Guardiola's skin. Um, and also, it's probably an element of Guardiola probably has got a bit spoiled by the success that he's had. Yeah. He's so used to 
everything going his way. Yeah. It could be that he's a bad loser, but we're never going to really know that because they don't lose that much. Um, but he is certainly under pressure. So some people can deal with it better than others. You know, we haven't seen what Jurgen's like on a, or on a bad run and things missing, et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, from my perspective, standing on the sidelines, and we spoke about it before, Gav, but I'm quite animated. Um, I would probably have reacted as I would have, as he did yesterday because I'm very protective over my team and my players. So in the heat of the moment, I think I probably would have behaved similarly to him. My wife even commented yesterday. She said, I can imagine that's exactly what you'd be like. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's hard for me to be too critical of him. I, I can see a method behind his madness, but I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a comment there and it says, you know, like, Pep, Pep is just a spoiled brat, and for all the wealth, he just wasn't new. He just, he just can't get his head around Liverpool and, and and the way they battle. That's a fair point. He doesn't seem to like us, and it's for it's for the way we play really good football. But the way we walk, I don't think he likes it either. Chris says um, he would absolutely piss himself laughing if we um, managed to get them in the last eight in the Champions League. That's my wish for this season. It really is. Um, I want. I'd love to be well clear in the Premier League and then land them in the last sixteen. Or the last eight quarterfinals, we we can only get them in, isn't it? Um, or can we? We can get. A, I'm not too sure where it works, but yeah, I'd love to get them in the knockout with the Champions League. I really would. Stephen Max says the job is done. As Paddy Power, I will go and have a look at the league odds. Um, Paul Shirley says they're under pressure due to the fact of the you know the, the fixtures they have coming up. I fancy the city to go winning all them them big games that they have coming up. I'm going to be. Uh, I'm 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 going to be honest. Let me see. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. Um, I can't get too comfortable, Gav, not given... No, uh, I never... Our, but I, I did say we went nine points clear, it's over. And yeah. I, I'm sticking to it. I just, I have that much faith in this Liverpool side at this moment. So we'll have to, we'll have to wait and see. It's international break now, so um, Sterling and Gomez can go off and uh, <laughs> punch the head off each other if they want. Um let me see. Jono says, uh, Kenny Cunningham is embarrassing your country. What a clown, says Jono. <laughs> now, listen, it, it was it was just hilarious. Um, it was hilarious to watch uh, Kenny Cunningham try to explain Fabinho during the week and then try to explain it today. And the best thing about it was he, it, they made it look like it was off the top of his head. He obviously had the facts written down in front of him, you know, uh, as if they don't speak to him before they go on air, which was which is hilarious. Um <laughs> Jono says if we get them in the Champions League, I would love to see Pep's reaction, so would I. Um, I really, really would. Um, Northred says, you never walk alone, free Palestine. Uh, I told you, I don't get into Palestine and Israeli politics on this show, unfortunately. Um, but Jim, it's international break now. Are you like me? Uh, you just want them not to play for their international teams and come back yeah, to basically what, what you would call a rest. Yeah, like when I seen um, Salah get that knock yesterday, <laughs> the first thing I thought was, Let's get him to half time, patch him up, and then take him off after about 70 minutes and mm. then tell the Egyptians he's, his ankle's flared up and so he, he can't travel. Um, that's all I was thinking. So I just want them all back, um, safe and sound, ready to go. We've got lots and lots of games coming up. I'm, I'm not counting my chickens. I'm, I'm pessimistic um, because this is Liverpool and, and we, we do find a way to make things hard for ourselves. So mm. I'm pessimistic. I'm going to stick to my pessimism until the end of January. Mm-hmm. We've got a lot of games between now and then. We look at the moment absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. But there, there is a concern that tiredness could catch us up uh, in the back of my mind. And December, we we don't usually play that well. So if we're sort of um, still six points clear at the end of January, 
I will I will get with you, Gavin, um, and beyond that bandwagon. But right now, I'm a little bit more sceptical, I'm sorry to say. <laughs> okay. Um, well, look, if uh, Andy from the Day Trippers organises the um, the buses where people can jump on board, and if he is organising a Liverpool <laughs> title winning um, jump on board bus, he, he, he tried to organise a choo-choo train um, yes, one season, I remember that. Yes, did, but um, yeah. everybody's welcome. Everybody's welcome. Um so yeah, we will have to wait and see. Chris Brack says Paddy Power's title odds is Liverpool five to two one, City are nine to four, Chelsea forty to one, Leicester forty to one. Uh Jer Cahill says the beard is gone for the international break. I presume you're speaking about me. Yes, Jer, I wasn't well last week, so I refused A to shave and B to get me haircut. I changed all that on Saturday, um, and I think I look slightly better for it. Uh the yeah, ever a thousand to one to win the league for anyone that may be interested, I just want to laugh. Uh but look, that's the um that's the show for this evening. Jim, thanks a million for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure as always. Yeah, brilliant. Thanks, mate. Really enjoyed it. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, me too. And um, we will have Jim back on again soon. That's been the Fatback Four Daily for Monday night. Enjoy the rest of your evening. I'll be back to you tomorrow evening. I have Peter Smith on with me tomorrow. Peter, that was on the club podcast last week. Really nice fella. Um, he's a Dublin man. He lives in Barcelona. Talks really well about Liverpool. So come and join us then. That's been it. Talk to you later. Over now. Tired of lying awake, tossing and turning, just hoping for a few hours of sleep? Get the sleep you crave with the one-of-a-kind Tempur-Pedic. Only Tempur-Pedic uses proprietary temper material that continuously adapts and responds to your body to relieve pressure so you get deep, uninterrupted sleep all night, every night. The Tempur-Pedic Summer of Sleep starts now with all Tempur-Pedic mattresses on sale and savings up to $500 on adjustable sets. Learn more at Tempur-Pedic.com. You started as an RN, caring for one patient at a time. But now you're being called to help more patients more often by earning your master's in nursing leadership and healthcare systems degree online from Grand Canyon University. You could become a leader responsible for staff development and patient care outcomes. What do you think making a difference in healthcare looks like? GCU offers over 175 high-quality online programs like this one. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Sports Social Podcast Network.